0: What is up, everyone? Welcome to the show. Another Friday, another episode of Why Are We Bullish? We've got a monster panel tonight. Very excited for this one. Uh, a lot of my my favorite people uh, in the space, and uh, yeah, very excited for this one. Um, we'll do intros momentarily. I hope you've all had a good week. Uh, plenty to chat about, and uh, of course, this is live. Anything can happen. So I defer to my friend Bill here. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live! Fuck it!
1: Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! And thing sucks! Yeah.
0: If you have not already, like, subscribe, share, all those things help a ton in getting this content in front of more eyeballs. I am Ben with the BTC Sessions. This is your daily session. <laughs>
2: The Bitcoin.
0: Before we bring in our guests, let's take a look at where we are in the market right now. This is, if I can get it up here. This is timechaincalendar.com. We're sitting at twenty-seven thousand three hundred and seven dollars per coin. A single U.S. dollar will pick you up three thousand six hundred and sixty-two sats. 92.16% of all Bitcoin have been mined. That's 19.35 million of them. And in terms of fees, geez, did we just get a f- huge flow into the mempool? I could have sworn it was much lower just a moment ago. Let's let's check the mempool. That can't possibly be... Co- it is. Uh, I, guess, I guess somebody just massively overpaid on fees. Anyways, you're probably fine with like th- four or five sats per byte right now, but somebody just op- opted to you know 10x that. So uh yeah, mempool is not particularly busy. Uh it's been uh actually kind of quiet lately. So, yeah. Uh don't worry too much, but still lightning, rbf, all that good stuff in case we get an influx. Shout out to sponsors of the show huddlehuddle.com if you're stacking sats and you've got a, th- a few priorities in mind things like peer-to-peer transactions, instant self-custody, no KYC, then Huddle is the place to go. You can sign up in minutes with nothing more than an email address. Uh, pretty simple. Choose a currency, a payment method, an amount, and start viewing offers and trading KYC free. Uh, yeah, check them out. They also have a lending platform uh, in which nothing is ever rehypothecated. So you can check that out down below. Uh, also, once you stack those non-KYC sats, you might want to put it and secure it in the best damn hardware on the market. And I love my cold card Mark IV. In fact, I was just doing some tutorials with some people. Uh, anyways, CoinKite knocks it out of the park all the time. I love the Mark IV. It's a beast. Uh, but other great things out of CoinKite, tap signer, sats card, block clock, open dime, all that stuff. And coming. Soon, the cold card Q1 Uh, this year, it looks insane. So be sure to check them out, coinkite.com. You can use code BTC Sessions for 5% off everything in the store. Now, if you're looking to go beyond single SIG, you can check out multi-SIG solutions. And I love what nunchuck.io is doing with their hunting badger program. It's a collaborative or assisted multi-SIG setup that you can run from your mobile phone. And it has baked in inheritance planning. Uh, so the, the app walks you through literally everything. You can use things from CoinKite like tap sign or cold card and a ton of other hardware options. Uh, it does have that baked in, again, uh, planning for inheritance so you know that your sats are going to get where they need to get if anything should happen to you. And one of my favorite things about it is uh, no KYC. Also, you don't need to give up personal information in order to use this thing. It's really clever how they've done it. So uh, yeah, check them out. I've done a full tutorial on it. And uh, yeah, kudos to the Nunchuck team. And last shout out here is Start9, your sovereign computing solution. You can build your whole Bitcoin stack on this thing. Uh, Bitcoin core, lightning node, mempool.space, join market, all that stuff. You can host your own data. Uh, whether it be password managers, files, uh, photos, all of that. And you can also host Nostra relays and Nostra clients, all kinds of great stuff. So check them out, uh, start9.com. The Embassy One is kind of your entry-level device. uh, And then the Embassy Pro is when you just want to host your whole damn life on the thing. Uh, You can't go wrong. So anyways, check them out. And uh, with that, I'm going to stop my rambling. I got to get these gents in here. So uh, a huge welcome to uh, Mr. Tour Demeester, Mr. James Lavish, and Mr. Tor- Troy Cross. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, so much for being a part of the show tonight. I'm very excited to have all of you in a single virtual room at a single time. Uh, and so let's, for those in the audience that may be unfamiliar, let's just do a quick round of who are you and what do you do? Um, I'll toss it to, to Tour first. Uh, who are you? What do you do?
1: I am a Bitcoin analyst, Bitcoin investor um, I uh,
0: research and write mainly and uh, you've written some some fantastic pieces. I've really enjoyed your work over the years and uh, yeah I just first first opportunity to have you on the show so uh, thank you for being here. Um, we'll toss it down to Troy uh, also not known as Jason. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) he was in the chat one time and I don't know what it is with me mixing up progressive Bitcoiners, but, uh, I did so. And, uh, and I was calling him Jason because Jason Meyer, uh, I've also been kind of hanging out and and chatting to recently. So anyways, Troy, sorry about that. Uh, (laughs) do you want to give yourself a little intro for anybody unfamiliar? Yeah, no
3: worries, Ben. And I'm, I'm honored and, and happy to be back on, on the show I do like to hang out sometimes and watch the show in YouTube you know the comments are the best I'm not following the comments right now because I have this screen but um, that's the real reason to hang out uh, uh, and watch the show is the comment the comments action um, yeah I what, what what do I do I'm a philosophy professor I'm here at my office at Reed College still teaching philosophy uh, I' also have been a Bitcoiner uh, for a long time and had a long-standing interest in kind of Bitcoin's impact on the energy world uh, that got me involved in Twitter about two years ago and started kind of took over my life. My wife calls me a Twitter influencer. If you ask people what, what her <laughs> husband does, she's like, Oh, he's a Twitter influencer now. And, uh, and then uh, other people know me as the, uh, the chief ESG officer of the Bitcoin corporation reporting (laughs) directly to the Bitcoin CEO.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's a high title. I feel like he peaked there really. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, And we'll jump to James dude. Good to have you back. Can you give yourself an intro?
2: Yeah. Great to be here, Ben. Thanks for having me. And uh, always good to be with people who are smarter than me on the show. I love that. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, tour i'm a, an institutional investor i've been in hedge funds and private equity for almost 30 years and uh that's better Tier. and uh <laughs> there you go um but i call myself a reformed hedge fund manager and that and that means i am dedicating the rest of my career to this space and bitcoin um as you as you know i'm uh i'm teaming up with a, a number of people like greg foss uh larry Lepard, larry's partner uh david um, and uh, and Corey Clipson uh, at Swan that we're we're launching a Bitcoin focused hedge fund. So, but that all that going on. If you ask my wife what I do, she'll tell you I shit post on Twitter all day. Yeah. <laughs> Is that inaccurate in any way, though? You know, I can't blame her. <laughs> I can't
0: blame her. So, well, but- awesome. Uh, I'm glad to have all of you uh, again. Thank you for your time. And uh, and we're going to dive in. So, um, again, shout out to everybody in the chat right now. Keep those messages coming. I'll start. I'll start. Uh, Trying not to distract these guys too much with them, but I'll still be pulling them up regularly if it, uh, if it has relevance to the conversation. Uh, but if you're new here, this is Why Are We Bullish? Very simple premise to the show. Each of us has come with a reason why we're bullish or something that is top of mind, something we're currently interested in. So the flow of the show is basically three-pronged. Somebody's going to drop a reason why they're bullish. Uh, up next, altogether, together, we're going to riff on that reason, discuss. And then third, we're going to rotate to the next person until each one of us has a turn. So very simple. We go by the three R's, reason, riff, rotate. Uh, I'm going to get us started this evening. Um, and uh, this is uh, the reason I'm, I'm bullish this week is something that I've been kind of working on tutorial wise uh, the last couple of days here, last few days here. And it has to do with Noster. So, um, are, are any of you guys on Noster currently? Yep. I, 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 I don't know why I, I was trying to tag. Maybe I'm, I'm like the biggest jackass in the room here. Maybe I'm not following you guys on Noster. I'm having trouble like, uh, you know, gradually following everybody that I, I, I need to follow on there, but anyway, it's, it's a little bit clunky yet, but it's yeah. Awesome. yeah, 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 exactly. So, so, um, my bullishness is in and around Nostra, and and it has to do with the the integration and the kind of the native integration of, of Lightning, and um, and so those people that are using Nostra, a lot of people um, to be able to send Lightning tips to and from on different posts, uh, they'll just really simply download a a. a, a, a custodial lightning wallet and then get a a lightning address, which looks like an email address from that and put it in your profile. And then you can instantly receive sats from anywhere at any time instantly. Um, And and that's totally fine. That's a totally fine first interaction, especially with something like Noster, Um, especially if you're just dealing with a few bucks at a time. But my reason in and around being bullish with Noster and Zaps in particular right now is uh, the seemingly uh, the, the the trajectory that we're on of having non-custodial zaps become easier to attain, and and so uh, what I did this week is I managed to set up um, a lightning node and have uh, my own lightning address that goes directly to that node and can send and receive zaps non-custodially. And so I, I kind of used an in-between solution. I use something called uh, Voltage, and I'll, I'm gonna, why not have some visual accompaniment here? But uh, I used uh, I use Voltage, and so what they do is is they'll host infrastructure for you, um, but they don't have any access to your funds. It's all, it's all uh, basically locked up with the credentials that you create, which they don't, have any access to so um you can set up your own lightning node in a few minutes you can establish some lightning channels and then you can it basically they give you the option to create your own uh not only your own lightning address but it also doubles as your nip05 identifier which anybody watching that doesn't know what the hell that is basically it's an easy way to be able to search you up on nostr so mine would be btc sessions at VLT.GE or at voltage. And so, so anybody can search me up by that handle, but you can also send lightning transactions, not just on Nostr, but from anywhere to that address. And so the, the integration with voltage was, was super simple. Um, they basically have a little connect section uh, over on the side of their website when you're, when you're in your lightning node, which I'll do right now. Um, but over on the left hand side there they have a little connect section and in that section it says okay well what are you trying to connect what wallet are you trying to connect um, and it's just some copy and paste you copy and paste a bit of information paste it into your wallet that you're dealing with and now this lightning node that i'm running is connected in a couple different places so here's here's noster this is snort.social and I've got a plugin here called albi And a lot of people think of Albi as being, as being a custodial service, which it can be, you can get a a custodial lightning address through Albi and they'll manage everything for you. And that's, that's totally fine. Uh, But you can also link up your own LND node. And so that's what I've done. And so now I've got this lightning node and all of my zaps, and you can see like zaps that I've been sending out. You can also see zaps that have been incoming all linked here in my browser. I've also been able to link this on mobile, uh, link my voltage node on mobile to uh, a mobile wallet called Zeus. And it's totally seamless. And whenever you go to zap somebody on Noster, on your phone, it'll say, what wallet do you wanna use? Well, you just use your own lightning node and you can zap back and forth and you can see all of of your transactions. So like, just again, as a quick example here, um, let's say, okay, cosmic dimension, posted something. I want to zap them. I'm just going to tap that. I'm going to send them a thousand sats. And it's just going to give me that notification. Hey, do you want, and this is my own lightning node that I'm dealing with. I'm just going to hit pay and off goes a thousand sats to, uh, to cosmic dimension right there. And, uh, again, it's, it's all non-custodial, which is, which is fantastic. So I'm, I'm very excited that, that it's getting easier to be self-sovereign in using a lot of these solutions. And it's not to say that everybody has to go that route, but the setup for this was not too difficult and it's going to get easier with things like Breeze dropping their SDK, things like um, Greenlight uh, put together by Blockstream where you're going to hit a couple of buttons and it's going to spin up a lightning node on your phone and your liquidity will be automatic and you don't have to think about lightning channels. It's all pushed to the background. Um, the the amount of innovation that I've seen in lightning uh, since first playing around in 2018 with the first mobile client where I had no clue what I was doing and it honestly being clunky as hell uh, to now where any person can download an app um, and either custodially or completely non-custodially be interacting with lightning in minutes is is unbelievable. So I'm gonna kind of leave it there and just open it up to comments and conversations around this topic. But uh, what have you guys been seeing in and around lightning? Where are you at with it? I just had a, a quick uh, question. I guess. Mm-hmm. Do
1: you also like whenever you get zapped? Do you like have that like um, impossible to ignore? Notion that one Satoshi is going to be a dollar. So it's like, you know, I get like a thousand bucks in the future. Like, that's yeah. amazing.
0: Cosmic Dimension so, just got a thousand dollars for a meme I didn't even read. Sorry, say again. <laughs> I said, Cosmic Dimension just got a thousand dollars for a meme I didn't even fully read. But we will for sure. Years from now, we'll be chatting to grandchildren or great grandchildren saying, One time in a live stream, you know, I watched somebody nonchalantly send a thousand sats for a a, a shit post on Noster. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's hilarious. Do you usually use the, uh, the desktop client for it? Uh, So I use, yeah, I use Snort on, on desktop. Although I use Iris a little bit as well. Those are kind of the two that I've been ping pong in between. And then on, on mobile, because uh, I'm on Android, so i oh, i don't right. have I don't have Damus, uh, right. but I've kind of been using Amethyst, and then there's another one called Plebster, which is actually super smooth. So um, I use I, I hop between, and that's kind of the beauty of Noster too. Is you know, if something is quicker to get better features, just hop over. You don't need to yeah. you know transition your following and followers and all you know. Yeah, it's incredible. Come. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's absolutely great. incredible that that's the that's that's the most important part, right? Being
2: completely decentralized, you don't have to worry about, you know, you not you not having uh, your your, I guess your network, you know, your community that you've built up. Yes, yeah. because if you leave you leave Twitter, that community is gone, right? So that's that's what's awesome about this, and that's what I think people don't really understand yet. That's the that's the uh, that's the part that it gets me excited the most
0: about about uh, you know Nostr. Yeah, so. yeah. It's it's um it's unique in that um again like the the censorship resistant nature of it. Of course, yeah. of course, like individual um clients could could technically you know filter out types of content but but the ability to seamlessly shift from client to client yeah exactly. negates that right and it's, exactly. it's amazing yeah exactly
2: it's pretty awesome I, i've loved it um i haven't been on there enough i've been pretty busy but i love it yeah. it's it's one of those things that you know like i was talking to jeff booth the other day about it and it's it's a technology that is that is at the absolute beginning you know mm-hmm. so if you remember Twitter, for those of you who are old enough to remember when that came out, it was pretty clunky in the beginning. And so it's just what it is. But when you're there in the beginning, the network
0: effects are just massive, right?
2: Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's awesome.
0: It's when, when did you guys start dabbling in not like, when did you start uh, start up a profile?
2: Like right after Christmas, I think somewhere around early January. Yeah. yeah
0: about the same right way. when
2: that was the big jump, right?
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah.
2: I was one of of the bandwagons. I was one of the Twitter bandwagoners. Yeah. Yeah. Troy, what about you? When did when did you hop
3: in? I was a few weeks later than that, I think. I was I was a late comer. Um and I haven't used it a ton in in a way. I, I love it. I think it's um I think it's the future. Um, but here's where you see the power of network effects. You know, Twitter just right now has just a vastly better network effect, as flawed as it is, as ridiculous as it is, it's kind of like the dollar, like Twitter is like the dollar relative to uh, the bit, you know, up, up and coming Bitcoin, which is like a better basic technology, but worse uh, network effects. And those yeah. networks effects are powerful. And for me especially, like the reason I'm on Twitter is not to talk to Bitcoiners. It's <laughs> to talk to no coiners, pre-coiners, right? Yeah. And they're not on, they're, you know they're still on Twitter if 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 they're even there. Yeah. So it's sort of like depends on your mission too and what you're doing there. If it's mm-hmm. like hanging out with friends, yeah, Noster, awesome. Uh mm-hmm. if you're developing Lightning, awesome. Yeah, I did come before Damas was was integrated with zaps. Um and then um uh, like just being able to to zap through um I guess I use Wallet of Satoshi over there. Yeah. yeah. Uh that, it's just so fast and convenient. It's like, Holy crap. This is, this is, this is what we dreamed about back in the day, a long, yeah. long time ago. Right. Remember the first tip bots came on uh, Reddit and everybody had these moments of tipping each other like crazy. And mm-hmm. it didn't really happen when it we when it happened to Twitter, like we didn't really get the tip the tipping because mm-hmm. it wasn't really integrated with posting, yeah. but now it is a um, Noster. So that was hugely exciting, like a major, like you're talking about these kind of regrets that we might have of zapping uh, mm-hmm. somebody a thousand sats. I have those regrets from the early tip bot days right? <laughs> I read it already because right? it already happened. We already did that. Um, but, but it, to do it in a way that's, um, you know, my next thought was immediately like, wow, Wallet of Satoshi is working a lot better for this than, you know, using my node and blue wallet. And uh, it, it, it's, it's going to actually push people to, to wallet of Satoshi or, or other sorts of similarly easy and fast uh custodial wallets right so you're you're a little bit at the beginning which i didn't know about i didn't know about voltage i have see this is what you don't get when you're not hanging out over there like <laughs> i've actually missed what's going on over there and i'm super encouraged but also just like curious and i want to set it up for myself now
0: yeah it's, it's 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 pretty awesome um the did you guys see when um uh what's his name matt uh uh t- 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 abby the the oh, twitter mean, files guy he jumped on nostr now uh, oh really yeah 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 i did see that actually so the
3: network effect will come it will come yeah, it if the technology's there
0: will. well and, and yeah. the best part is is his migration was specifically from a mindset of free speech it wasn't at all to do with bitcoin and right. then he got there and everybody's like oh you gotta you gotta enable zaps and he's like what the hell are zaps And so like that was this was his foray into experiencing Bitcoin through a free speech lens, which is a very unique kind of thing, especially in the West to see. Mm -hmm. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Hey, Um, Edgar, what's up, bud? (laughs) Edgar's given shout outs. Also, uh, tour, I'll have you know that our resident yellow puppet yellow uh, is choosing is choosing violence in the chat here. uh he he said you know what double the u and double the e <laughs> we're his parents <laughs> <laughs> they're like you know let's just double it it's it was like that uh
1: what was her name again that woman who was um um pumping Bitconnect. like she was saying like oh, we're yeah. gonna double the mining yeah that, <laughs> that meant anything
2: double it <laughs> um <laughs> I love it. I love yeah that. but as,
1: as, i remember as a teenager i was uh, i was upset that my name was hard to to understand internationally or to pronounce but uh, I've, I've i've had some time to get over it
0: yeah it's okay it's if, if people can't can't get it then they're lost i suppose <laughs> they'll, they'll have to learn it at some point um all right and gentlemen any final thoughts in and around uh nostris things that you'd like to see you know kind of where we're at right now and just to wrap the the combo here
1: yeah i mean uh, i got I got started with Noster like last December um, and um, yeah, I agree. It's very, 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 very early, but still like there, there's so many implementations already. Like that's exciting. And I, I feel like in terms of network effect, like the only thing they really need to do, they don't really need to create their own network effect. It's more about just being ready for when, when Twitter inevitably is going to get censored and just more and more people are going to, Go into Noster, um, mm-hmm. and I have noticed with the zapping, <laughs> it almost like, it almost kind of like, it innately makes fun of traditional social media because like when you you have like a what well, I don't want to what is it a note on Noster if you yeah. post something yeah if you have like a note on Noster and you get a few likes you're kind of like yeah you guys like. Unless you zap me, like I don't think you really like this. Like you're kind of like, you know, <laughs> yeah. pretending. And I feel like that's gonna that's gonna bleed into traditional social media. It's like who cares about Facebook likes or? You know, give me some noster zaps.
0: Yeah. Like oh so cool. yeah. <laughs> well, well, Domus just added an option for uh, zaps only. Yeah. And so, so it basically it removes the option for you to even yeah. like something, and so you have to put some economic power behind uh, an approval of something and if you enable zaps only you get a special badge beside your name when you're on the (laughs) on the site uh so i mean again like you're right the the idea of a like it's it's like this we kind of have this this culture of of virtue signaling now in social media um but that when you actually have um you know a, a direct economic Uh, communication Mm -hmm. layer on top of that it becomes less virtue signally and more oh i i really value what you've said and i'm willing to send a thousand dollars for a meme um Mm -hmm. a thousand sats for a meme um yeah again it it totally changes the dynamic and a lot of you know a a lot of people um offering up a small economic approach Uh, you know, economically, uh, relayed a message of approval, uh, becomes very meaningful for the person that created the content. Like when Mm -hmm. I think of, um, even just the, the, the value for value doing podcasts, like I always upload this as audio only to, to, uh, again, the, the, the podcasting 2.0. If I had a thousand listeners on an episode and everybody, you know, like zapped or streamed a dollar worth of sats. That's a meaningful chunk of change for a single piece of content and, and not super meaningful amount of, of uh, you know, expenditure for an individual listening. Um, And so, yeah, I, I mean, I think this is where it takes off where, where you get value in numbers and, and we get this, what are you doing with likes? Nobody cares about those anymore. Yeah. Um, and yeah.
3: And, and, and can I just add one more thing? Um, I think it's imperative that this take off quickly and it's mm-hmm. imperative that it be done in a self custodied way for two reasons. I mean, one is that once we get people using it in this way, then when regulators try to do what they are inevitably going to do, which is, um, they're gonna they're gonna try to filter which transactions are uh, allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be a base of people who will say that's ridiculous. This is like paying somebody, you know, twenty bucks to mow my lawn. It's, it's, it's zapping people on Noster is now like it, it'll be part of daily life, yeah. and then that regulation will be an attack on ordinary people and ordinary practices rather mm-hmm. than some. You know, rather than some exotic thing they don't understand, which is like, you know, we've got money transmitters and they're not obeying regulations. It'll be an attack on what is ordinary life. And uh, yeah, and the other the, 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 the yeah, the, I, th- I think the crackdown is coming. It's just a matter of time. Uh, so yeah. build up p- political resistance against it, but also using self-custody uh, tools so that there isn't a throat to choke, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, because you, you could see a- any uh, any custody service uh, getting a notification, and they're going to have to comply with it. Right? And, and yeah. it's only by building these kind of tools that uh, that you know that we can escape that. Uh, mm-hmm. But these tools are always clunkier. They're always harder to use. Yes. Uh, this is the very game from the very beginning of Bitcoin. This is what Bitcoin itself is all about. How do you get yeah. people to use a freedom technology which is clunky and doesn't have a team like Amazon, Microsoft, Apple behind it, making that user experience perfect, uh, but is nevertheless resistant to centralized authority? Mm. It's the very same thing that we are now facing on on Noster. How do you get people to use it? Satoshi's you know genius was... You know, with NGU technology, <laughs> yeah. money will motivate people in in, in ways that other, other kinds of technology are, are it's hard to get mm-hmm. people to adopt them. And then people will build tools around it on other layers, you know. So, yeah, it's weird that we're still having exactly the same conversation mm-hmm. uh, as at the very birth of Bitcoin, but it is the same conversation. And I think we're at a kind of a pivotal moment right now because the the sentiment in Washington is pretty intense. Among 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 some lawmakers and some uh, agency heads, I think. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you know, the clock is ticking on us.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I I'm waiting for a cust- I, I, I think you'll see at some point, um, probably after a significant price increase, you'll see a lightning a custodial lightning service. Uh, you know, get served notice of, oh, hey, you know, you got to, you got to rein it in. We got to find out who all your clients are, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think that potentially happens. What I'd like to see before then is I'd love to see those custodial lightning services implement uh, Cashew, which is um, anybody that doesn't know what that is. It's effectively, if you're already using a custodial service, it just adds uh, privacy it adds like near perfect privacy so it's chalmieon ecash based on lightning and so when you send in you you effectively have ecash tokens that represent the sats that you own which is as good or better than having an account with you know wallet of satoshi instead you have actual tokens in an ecosystem that they kind of oversee but then that means wallet of satoshi cannot know what you own And furthermore, when you go to withdraw, you are hiding in the crowd of every other wallet of Satoshi user. There's no indication that it came from a particular account. It's just eCash tokens being redeemed for sats on the Lightning Network. It's just completely opaque. Nobody can tell what the hell is happening. So I would love to see these custodial wallets implement this as a protection uh, for the inevitable crackdown that will come yep 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 yeah so gentlemen I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this topic here because I want to get to yours uh everybody in the chat thank you for uh <laughs> popping all all of the uh questions in here also yellow is now uh focusing his sights on on James uh James <laughs> not only looks like Daniel Craig but he dances like him too I don't I, think I've ever
2: seen him dance like, <laughs> you, I'm gonna have sure? to, I'm gonna yeah. have to go YouTube that after yeah that.
0: you're gonna have to there are as many memes uh, about with that. So you'll see what he's talking about. Um, All right, so we're gonna do a rotation uh, and I'm gonna toss it to tour first and I'm just gonna cue you up, simple question. Why are you bullish?
1: Why am I bullish? Yeah, I mean, so many reasons, of course. Um, uh, But if I had to pick one and especially like in in this time, you know, time, time's uh, era, in this era, if you will, in these uh, last few years, I would say um the global macro situation Mm -hmm. things have just gotten really bad if you uh you know just kind of look at the basics like even just the u.s monetary supply which is supposedly one of the most strongest most resilient in the world increased by 25 percent since the pandemic seven trillion dollar dues that were printed um and then of course after the um after the recent bailout of the customers of silicon valley bank like there's an implied who knows you know 7 trillion uh, it's probably more i think it's in the 10 uh, over 10 trillion dollars that it's kind of like a symbolic bailout like all these small banks people expect that those are going to be rescued too Backstop. um you know yeah. other things the minimum reserve requirement was dropped to 0% in 2020 like you can just look that up that stuff so so people wonder like So what went wrong with Silicon Valley Bank or what went wrong with that bank? It's kind of like, no, 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 you don't get it. It's like it's systemic, like all the banks are on the verge of are teetering. And it's just a matter of time before one of them would face a bank run, Uh, you know, right after there was a paper that came out that estimated that the unrealized losses of kind of the, the banks that are in the worst shape in the U.S is between 1.7 to 2 trillion dollars right now so that's 186 banks that um that are really really in trouble that that have that maturity mismatch in a very serious way and that are just underwater even like even mark to market underwater um um, against the deposits that they owe um and then it's like oh but all these accounts are you know insured by the fdic it's like all right well let's look at the balance sheet of the fdic It's, it's an insurance entity it it must have assets on their balance sheet and you can see it you know and um what you see is that there's about 10 trillion dollars in outstanding u.s deposits if there was a bank run the FDIC only has enough reserves to cover 1.26 percent of that so you know this is just a lipstick on a pig i mean it's just it's just kind of for show and so to Mm -hmm. me the bigger picture of like okay what is the bullish picture for bitcoin is that all the so-called safe havens, all the places that people put their money ever since, uh, slowly since the Federal Reserve was created and faster since after uh, Nixon closed the gold window in 71, um, all these places are seriously under threat, especially the past two, three years. So you're talking about, you know, US treasury inflation protected bonds, $1.7 trillion market cap, like that's massively under threat. just all the paper money in the world. Like we're not even talking the US, right? If we talk any, any fiat currency is pretty much worse than than the dollar. So, so if you count that all together, it's about $8 trillion worth of just physical paper money in the world. All that is massively under threat. And at least, you know, that has some advantages of privacy. You know, you, there's a level of mobility. Like it's kind of justifiable that people would flee to that. If you look at Argentina alone, at some point there was, $50 billion in U.S. dollar notes circulating in the economy just to, you know, allow people to do real estate transactions and all that stuff. Um, you know, above ground physical gold, for example, I don't want to poo-poo gold too much. I think it is going to go up, but clearly it doesn't have all the advantages that Bitcoin has, especially, you know, low auditability and, and lower mobility. If you want to move it across borders, very expensive. Um, so that's $9 trillion central bank reserve, like that, that's a joke. Like what do central banks really have on their balance sheet other than some physical gold, which fair enough, Um, but most of it is just government bonds and just, you know, paper like that. And that's $27 trillion, you know? So, so, uh, and then finally, um, you know, of course there's the electronic deposits, which is $62 uh, trillion worldwide. And then you also have residential real estate worldwide, which is $258 trillion. Um, Because if if you look at, you know, why why mention real estate as a potential for Bitcoin to go after is because people have been storing value there to protect against inflation. Uh, There was a recent report that uh, reported, let's see, for the average U.S. household, real estate represents over 35% of total savings. 28% 28% of which is equity in the family's domiciled home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one third of people's savings is in real estate. Like that is historically completely anomalous. That is only because the money is losing value and people are fleeing into hard assets. And, and you know, a, a house, I don't think is very hard, but yeah, it's it's a little bit more than a, a piece of paper that's not even printed on paper, like, like digital dollars and things like that. So to me, that's the bullish case is that there's trillions and trillions of dollars of assets that are under threat, that are actively in decline and that people are going to use as a launch point to jump
0: into Bitcoin. Do you, do you so my question to you then would be, do you see this playing out as a, a gradual realization of, oh, all of this stuff isn't safe? and then people trying to hone in on on what's real and thus you get you know the the Weimar gold chart that that kind of thing happening at some point in the future do you think that's our our inevitable future here or you mean like a melt up for for yeah for gold for for bitcoin for anything that is verifiably hard that that actually has scarcity and value and not just all this paper crap do you do you think that we see these periods of uncertainty where the it's super volatile and there's a ton of noise and it's impossible to tell what's going on. But if you zoom out on a long enough trajectory, the general slope for things like Bitcoin is up and to the right.
1: Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, uh, what you're saying is spot on because the, the, the volatility will be there. We've seen a bunch of it. 2021 Was a year of madness i mean like i don't think it's a coincidence that we saw wall street bets you know these like crazy bets on amc and whatnot on these like yolo stocks Mm -hmm. and the nft craze and the mortgage bubble Mm -hmm. and a bunch of other like just completely lunatic things that happened and 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 yeah if we zoom out that'll just be one blip like Mm -hmm. that was the system starting to melt down and and part of that you know, impetus was people are afraid of, of inflation and they're trying to, you know, in their mind, they're like, it's more fun to think about making profit than it is to think that you're running for your life. And so people kind of, yeah. I think they sell it to themselves as like, oh, yeah, this is fun or like, you know, where uh, or I'm, I'm saving for my family or something, whereas at some point they're going to start realizing that they're running away from inflation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, it's the, the literally economic physics, right? I mean, if certain assets is going to melt down, certain other assets is going to have to melt up. Like the value has to go somewhere. And I think Bitcoin is going to be a huge recipient of that. Yeah,
0: I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to open it up to uh Troy or James, if either you want to dive in uh comment, question, whatever. Yeah, no, I, I agree fully with what
2: you is saying, you know, um, that, we're we're on the we're on the precipice of having. I think we're going to have a. a personally, I think we're going to have a pretty hard recession that that's that's coming at us. You know, uh, it's hard. It, we we're seeing signals of it, and they're conflicting signals in the in the uh, economic data. But if you look at just how quickly the Fed raised rates, I mean, it, there's no way we're seeing all those lagging effects yet, and with the sheer just the amount of leverage that's in the system, where it's pointing to something that's going to break. And you know, uh, what does that mean? We, well, we're looking at either another credit event or like a watershed moment of massive, massive layoffs, um, and uh, and you know, profitability margins squeezed, uh, and and the market selling off. And then just like Tor said, it, you know, the the, the value's got to go somewhere. If they're taking it out of the market if they're taking it out of their houses it's got to go somewhere because people need to store that value as as the the dollar continues and all currencies all fiat currencies continue to debase it's just reality Mm -hmm. so um i agree
0: it's it's almost like we we don't we don't have a clear picture of of our purchasing power um with anything really currently Um, because you can, you can look in a bank account and say, I have this many dollars. And my understanding is that if I went to spend these dollars right now, they would purchase me the following things. Mm -hmm. Um, but when, when a lot of people go to do that simultaneously, it affects the price of the things that you want to buy. And, uh, and, and, furthermore when more dollars are created of course it 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 affects the purchasing power of those dollars you're holding and 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 so we, we just have no clue as to even in bitcoin terms what what that kind of resting place will be when we when we come to uh, uh you know a, a a place where we have a measuring stick that can't be manipulated like when when the dust settles mm-hmm. and and most of the the bogus crap implodes. What does a sat buy you? What what is that purchasing power? How much how much of the supposed productivity that is out there that we think that our dollars can buy currently, how much of that is fictitious? Yeah, you know? it's not
2: it's not the price going up in Bitcoin, it's just the it's the uh it's the flip of that, it's the inverse, it's just the the, the dollar debasing or the euro debasing or the yen
0: debasing. That's all like, it is. Is yeah. there a scenario where um I mean I guess I'm kind of answering my question here, but like I, I picture a scenario where we the the entire world realizes that we have much less resources than we initially thought. And you know, when you mm-hmm. look at your bank account and think one day, oh, I've got you know, it's just, I've got X number of dollars, and this is going to buy me something. It, it the the reality is, is that's that's kind of like a um, a promise to to be able to redeem for something that might not be there.
2: Yeah, and even worse though, Ben is uh, people look at their bank account and they have this number in their head of what they need for the future. Right? Mm-hmm. They need a certain amount of money to either retire or work a lot less in the future. And that number just keeps growing and growing and growing and you can't keep up and you can't get to it. And that's the,
0: that's the problem that people are starting to wake up to. They're seriously starting to wake up to it. It, You know, what would fix all of this is if, uh, and I've said this on shows before, but if your bank account didn't show the number of dollars, but it showed the percent of the world economy, which you had. (laughs) yeah, uh, if, If it was a percentage, even though it'd be a small percentage, you would watch those numbers tick down and down and down forever because yeah. you are not on the receiving end of the Cantillon effect. That's right, um, and that that would wake up a lot of people. But that's it's not how our bank accounts work right now, unfortunately. Yeah, but that's not. Yeah. That's, ben, yeah.
1: what you're talking about relates to the. The Austrians have written a lot about this, uh, the stages of production and the structure of production in, in, in an economy. Mm-hmm. And and because it's, you know, people have that idea like, oh, yeah, we, we've been living above our means. And so, you know, it's, something's got to give. But if you think about it, like how what actually happens when you allow an economy to live above its means for, for decades sometimes it's easiest to just imagine a family like imagine just a regular middle-class family and all of a sudden they've been told you can borrow infinite amounts as much as you want and your interest rate is half a percent per year. And you can do as much as you want. And so they go to town. So what do we do? They, they, they you know, build a pool in their backyard and they, they start you know, uh, some kind of business idea and it goes bust, but that's okay because they can borrow more. And they, 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 they build a McMansion and they, they buy uh, you know, a car for grandma and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, at some point, you go back and say like, oh, yeah, sorry, guys, uh, that half percent, now it's five percent. And also, uh, you know, mom, uh, you get to keep your halftime job, but dad, you're going to lose your job. And so then look at the economic activity in that family. How is it going to change? What percentage of the budget is all of a sudden going to go to food and just fuel for the car and just very, very basic things? And then how much of that consumer economy is going to shrink? And that's what the Austrians talk about when they say that, that uh, cheap money, the 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 boom part of the business cycle, eventually there's a bust. But in the beginning, there's a boom. Mm-hmm. That artificially low interest rates will um, 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 create, a, it will skew the structure of production so that there's there's an underinvestment in commodities, like in in just uh, very simply, like you know, growing wheat and like pulling oil out of the ground, all that. And we've seen that. Like if you look at the commodities sector. It, people thought it was dead for decades, like who, who you know, the, the, the world's largest companies are no longer like the oil producers and, and electricity products boring, right? It's all about tech and growth. And so you get that, you know, it's really interesting how, how things radically change when, when you artificially lower the interest rate. But then that means, of course, in a depression, all that gets turned back, you know it gets rolled back and all of a sudden people if you look at Weimar which is of course extreme but there there are percentages that you can see where people all of a sudden spent uh, like 39% of the household budget on food like things like that like that's an of course you know that's an extreme situation but but that's what happens in a depression and so that's why it, that's and why and, and to
2: like we, yeah and and we're we've gotten to the point where we've been doing this for so long the zerp has been going on for so long that 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 spring is coiled really tight right? yes and so yes. what you're talking about is those effects are going to be that much more powerful when we do have that deflationary event and that right yeah.
1: and 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 i mean to me that also explained the fact that we've been doing it for decades i mean it's been done to us really but yeah. the fact that it's happened for decades it's so hard to explain to people that maybe just you know dollar cost averaging in the s p 500 it it might not be enough to keep up with inflation even because the S&P 500 or any average stock market is highly skewed towards consumer products. Whereas what you want to have exposure to is inflation resilient assets. And that's more uh, hard commodities, uh, maybe like metals, uh, just very simple stuff that is going to be the building blocks of some future economy, some future growth. But right now, we're broke like we shouldn't be thinking about building the next apple store we should just be thinking about how to you know how to get food on the table literally yeah
2: yeah, yeah.
1: and then and then i mean i guess to finish it up like the argument for bitcoin to me has always been cuz from the start when i did my before i knew about bitcoin i knew i was searching for assets that had that were scarce and that had low third party risk because what you want in a depression where this structure of production is being rebalanced you have a massive transfers of wealth that are happening massive massive uh, and so that value has to find a channel to go through and that's why in the depression in the 30s Keynes, john maynard Keynes, was invested in gold mining stocks that's where he made his money during the depression um those kind of things because those are the channels through which the value goes to then later be reinvested and so i think Bitcoin is just a phenomenally excellent uh channel to to be a recipient of that kind of value
0: yeah mm. yep. Yep. um yep. i wanna I, I troy i feel like i've I've put you in a corner and i and you never put troy in a corner so <laughs> uh d- did you want a roadhouse in reference my yeah. I, I baby <laughs> it is it is <laughs> nobody puts baby in a corner uh did you want to tag in anything yeah, that-
3: just uh, i mean i hesitate to say anything about macro with these two gentlemen <laughs> no. and um i'm a big fan of both of their uh both of their thought and, and work uh i think something you know when when the banking crisis started, I was thinking of it in terms of, is it inflationary, is it deflationary? Because, you know, when money gets destroyed, it's kind of not like physics. It doesn't really have to go anywhere because price is just like where the last, you know, marginal seller met the marginal buyer. And mm-hmm. people do kind of think of it like as if there's energy or there's a quantity of fluid that has to be preserved. But really what happens is we've had an elu- We have We have real productive goods and that's a real thing. Like there's a quantity of stuff out there like oil or wheat, but, but wealth, there's an illusory quantity and uh, it, 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 during one of these, these deflationary episodes, just like everything is collapsing. And I remember I learned this lesson the hard way in 2007, 2008 when my instinct was to buy commodities and gold as the market was crashing. And I did. And then I just watched them plummet like further and further. And the only thing people wanted was liquidity in the crisis because Mm -hmm. debt was collapsing and there was no trust in anything. And so what did everyone flee to like the dollar, the dollar was what grew early on. And then, and then everything else followed, right? Like, um, stock market exploded once there was a full like contraction everything exploded after that but initially it was just like everything fell and it would not surprise me if if bitcoin had that sort of you know acted like gold did during a deflationary contraction i think what's different this time is ben something you said people realizing that they don't have money in a bank i mean pe- people just we talk about dollars as if they're the same whether it's cash or whether it's a deposit you have at Wells Fargo, but the deposit at Wells Fargo is just a promise uh, from that bank. That's all it is. It, it's not a dollar and you don't have dollars in the bank. There's no such thing. And go back to Tour's point early on, you know, what you have is a promise and then you've got this FDIC promise, which is also not back. And so rather than sort of being in the, is it inflationary de- deflationary? And I know there's complications because I read your stuff, James, uh, that, you know, what we're really thinking about is inflationary is the response to this in order to handle our debt during a deflationary episode. We're going to have to create inflation, right? But will that on net be inflationary? I, I don't know. I would leave it to these guys. But what I did see that special was that the light, at least for some people, yeah, Tyler Durden, yes, IOUs in a bank. For some people, the inside outside money thing clicked where they, for the first time, realized that a savings account is just a promise to pay from the bank and nothing more, and that that promise wasn't necessarily good. It sort of depends on what the bank has done. In a way, it was like the realization that people had in crypto who were into uh, you know, Celsius and Voyager and so on, where they were like, oh, I've got my Bitcoin like earning interest Um You know, I've got Bitcoin earning interest. I've committed it for a quarter and I'm getting 5% or BlockFi or whatever. And then uh, suddenly it's like, where did my money go? You have a lot of people asking, uh, you know, Mashinsky, where their money is. Where, where, I gave you my money. Where did it go? Who has my money? And it's kind of like, it's that physics picture. Well, it had to go somewhere. No, it didn't. didn't. There was like a bunch of fictional value out Mm -hmm. there. Uh, that it chased after. And then there's simply nobody who wants to buy Terra Luna anymore. And that uh, like, there were people who wanted to buy it. Now nobody wants to buy it. And so you, 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 all you ever had was a note. There was a bet made on your behalf. Your money isn't anywhere. You, you, it never really was. It it, it didn't, it, it's not, that's not what banks do. They don't go store your money. And that's not what Nexo does with your money either. And now people are realizing that not just in the crypto land, but in bank land. So now it's like, and it's gone. Yeah. So now it's like, okay, that's the thing that makes me bullish about Bitcoin long-term rather than, you know, the supply of money it's the realization that self-custody is very, very different from, you know, custodying somebody else. But more than that, uh, it's not just self-custody, but uh, that, you know, an obligation or an IOU is fundamentally different from a bearer asset. Uh, you know, and, 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 and how do you, how do you avoid that risk? And there are precious few ways to do it. And Bitcoin is the best of them. Right. So that that's kind of another dimension of the realization that came out of this crisis that long-term, I don't know how much, what percentage of the population that dawned on, but an importantly larger percentage than before the crisis. And that will just keep happening. People will keep realizing like, you know, as, as banks either fail or get bailed out, um because they are underwater uh they'll realize like what money what, what their money is and that there's just a mere uh philosopher called homophony that the, the two words sound the same money and money <laughs> but they're really completely different things money in the bank is not money money in, in your wallet in the form of cash kind of is money and uh you know <laughs> and people are just just waking up to that fact that makes me bold
0: it 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 reminds me of um kind of the what you're talking about of, of where the, the the thing that you have technically again in the context of you know a, the dollar losing value in that is in, in in one instance or or buying a bunch of quote unquote crypto and it losing money it it, it reminds me of um back uh, with the bitcoin Bit Connect thing back in the day and there is this dude that was pumping it uh Trevon James uh and And when shit hits the fan, like, yeah, there there was this whole thing where, like, the the BitConnect thing was effectively like, okay, you you put in Bitcoin, you buy our BitConnect token, and then you lend your token out to the mystery people, and then that gets you, like, some obscenely high interest rate because apparently people really love the BitConnect token and want to borrow it all the time which is it was obviously just a a straight up ponzi scheme but so obviously what ended up happening was like they took all the bitcoin and then and then uh they got served with a notice uh i can't remember what states but basically saying like you're not allowed to do this and and then the BitConnect token which was only had any value because you bought it and then got a stupid interest rate on it immediately plummeted by like 99.9%. But the, the, the main thing that you, what you reminded me of is, is, you know, you didn't actually lose anything cause you didn't have anything was, was his rant when he was doing his car selfie live stream. And he, he was like, you did listen, you, he's been pumping this thing the whole time. He, you didn't lose your money. And then he pauses, okay, you kind of lost your money. (laughs) (laughs) It was the most, and and it was the most memeable thing. But like, in a way, he was kind of of right in that what you owned hasn't disappeared. Just the purchasing power of it has. So you still had your tokens. You just couldn't do a damn thing with them. They were worth, you know, 0.1% of what they used to be overnight. And what uh, he was
1: trying to explain is um, this was not an IOU, guys. This was a fiat token. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was a faith based token. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't lose your money.
0: <laughs> I wonder if we reached that point with, uh, with the dollar. You didn't lose your money. Well, you kind of lost your money, but <laughs> one day, one day. We will. I, when I,
3: I went to Miami last year, and it was my first time going to a Bitcoin conference. I had the strongest urge when I went on stage to do the BitConnect thing. I mean, it was
0: like really hard to suppress. <laughs> exactly. Hey, hey big I, Sean. I, it
3: was so hard not to do that.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Awesome. All right, gentlemen, I'm going to do a rotation here. Tour. Thank you for the topic. Obviously, tons to talk about there, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna toss it down. And actually, Troy, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it with you for a moment, and I'm gonna uh, cue you up with the simple question: Why are you bullish? Take it away. Okay. I,
3: um, first of all, I want to, um, say I'm not bullish price-wise. I don't take a position on price. I never, never do because, uh, I make terrible predictions about price. <laughs> I would be fabulously wealthy if I had made the right decisions and I've made almost perfectly wrong decisions. Uh, so, uh, I'm not going to say I'm bullish on price. I, I, um, I'm bullish at a deeper level because I, I think we're making, well, I think we're making headway on informing and educating people about Bitcoin. At the event that came to mind when you asked, like, what makes us bullish is next week, uh, next Wednesday. There's a, uh, a policy summit for the Bitcoin Policy Institute in Washington, D.C. Uh, it's the first, like, policy summit of its kind uh, that's just about Bitcoin and not crypto. And there's just an amazing cast of people who are there. Uh, Senator Lummis is going to be there. Tim Ryan, former congressman, is going to be there. Ted Cruz is going to be there. Senator from Texas. Tom Emmer, the majority whip in the House, is going to be there. Uh, Greg Schultz is speaking. He's Biden's campaign manager. Um, and of course, there's the usual. Thanks for pulling up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're the usual suspects. They're from the Bitcoin uh, Yeah, Jack Mallers, Roy Maboob, Alex Gladstein, uh, nice, incredible, some people from industry. So we've got policy people, industry people, lawmakers, uh, uh, you know, academics like myself, um, it's, this hasn't happened and it really needs to happen. Uh, we have a, we have a confusion between Bitcoin and crypto in, in DC. Uh, we have some kind of allies in the crypto world who have actually done a lot of good Work for Bitcoin. They've been the primary people fighting for Bitcoin in D.C. throughout its life. They've been kind of mixed up together, right? But the downside of that is there are important differences between Bitcoin and crypto, and um, lawmakers and policy people and p- pieces of the executive branch need to hear and understand that. Like we actually agree with a lot of what Senator Elizabeth Warren has to say about crypto. Like we agree that like ninety nine percent of it is scam filled. And uh, trash. And so it's like the people are going to be surprised to hear that, that um, that some of their critiques of crypt- crypto, we're, we're actually kind of sensitive to a, a lot of that. And also, uh, we're going to give a full throated defense of mining mm-hmm. and uh, Bitcoin's role in, in in, you know, helping people uh, live better lives and be more free around the world. So I, this it kind of makes me bullish. The people who are going to be there—it's an invite-only thing. If you're listening and you want an invitation, or you'd like to come, uh, you know, there's a there's a, still a slot on the website where you can ask for an invitation. Uh, if you want to donate to the Bitcoin Policy Institute, that would be awesome. We run this thing on a shoestring. We get nominal payments. Uh, I, I am net negative in my work for Bitcoin. I definitely spent more. Uh, than I have made from the Bitcoin Policy Institute. It's basically volunteer work. Um, But I think it's hugely important work. It kind of makes me bullish Mm -hmm. uh, that that it's happening and we're going to start building relationships. Uh, The other thing I'll say is kind of related to that. I went to a conference last week in New Jersey, at Princeton, New Jersey. And one of the people speaking there was uh, Carol House, who is the, uh, I want to get this right, she was the former, uh, of course, of course, her thing doesn't pull up right now. She's the <laughs> former head of uh, cybersecurity in the in the National Security Council. Uh, but she's held a lot of roles in government in the in the White House. Um, and she gave a talk. So this is why I feel comfortable talking about it. It's a public talk. She gave a talk in which she was kind of saying to the crypto industry, like, prepare yourself for serious regulations coming down the pike. You've got a lot of enemies in D.C. right now. Uh, obviously we've heard about like, uh, uh choke point 2.0, um, she doesn't think that's like a coordinated effort, but rather just a coincidence of a whole bunch of really savvy old time, uh, in- insider, uh, you know, political appointees who knew how to get stuff done. And they're kind of all on mission on cracking down on crypto. Hmm. Uh, and, and, uh, but there's like a lot more coming our way. And one of the things she said at the end of her talk was, like, you guys need to get the relevant people in the room and talk about how to police yourselves, like how to regulate yourselves, basically, or, you know, you're going to be regulated by us, the state. Mm -hmm. And you, you have to get it done. Like, you have to figure out how to stop payments from going to North Korea. Like if we have an address in north korea that we want payments not to come from you guys have to figure out how to stop that or like she used this phrase like roll back the chain (laughs) like you have to figure out how to do this because and then she just went through the law and her basic point was in the us you have the freedom of speech but you do not have the freedom to transact as soon as speech carries value with it it is no longer a freedom that is protected by the first amendment it is now subject to basically complete surveillance and control at the discretion of, you know, our overlords. So it was like, it was just one of these moments where I was like, okay, back to the Noster discussion earlier, we've got to be ready for this at the level of mining at the level of pools. I mean, this is why stratum V2 is so important. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, but also why we can't have too much concentration of, of, of mining in the U S Mm-hmm. or US controlled regions. This is why Russia, ma- ma- Russia makes me bullish this week. <laughs> I know, <laughs> you know it's mining. I mean, I'm glad that 20% of mining is still happening in China. I'm glad mm-hmm. that it's in Iran. I'm glad that it's in Nigeria. I'm glad it's in places that are beyond the reach of the US government.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But my my panel was next. And the question of our panel, the title of our question, our, our panel was, if Bitcoin is the answer, what is the question, mm-hmm. right? And of course, there was a computer scientist on the panel from Princeton who was like, yeah, I don't think there is one um, computer scientists like, you know, they like Turing complete um, uh, Technologies. Uh, and I had like an easy answer that uh, Carol House had just set me up for. Mm-hmm. I was like, OK, so Carol House just said we need to find a room with the relevant like power players in it so that we can police ourselves. But there is no such room for bitcoin because there's forty thousand plus node runners spread all around the world and they're the ones who matter in governance mm-hmm. and so the question to which bitcoin is an answer is how could you build a monetary system such that there is no possibility of getting people in a room and deciding to comply with a central authority that just isn't even a possibility by design if you yeah. try to design a technology like that uh bitcoin would be an answer to that that task right yeah. it is the answer to that task yeah. and, and and then like it, it, all of the discussion about like ethereum versus Bitcoin or other you know the qualities of the chain it became crystal clear to me in that moment what Bitcoin is and it's like we're gonna find out everybody speculates about the security and decentralization of these various consensus mechanisms and historical chains. We're about to find out. You know in the most brutal way this is not this is like theorizing we're academics talking about it. Policymakers talking heads no like somebody is going to say at some point in the future you you cannot you cannot mine uh, a block that includes these addresses you and then the really nuclear option which we couldn't get a straight answer from her on is like what about you can't mine on top of a chain that mm-hmm. includes a transaction from such and such address or to such and such address and that one when she was like kind of like that's like last resort like basically get your act together that's mm-hmm. a possibility uh but obviously that would be a last resort but it's like okay well we're going to go there i mean there is no in between option mm-hmm. between this and that happening so it's just a question of time uh fundamentally philosophically we do believe in the right to transact whether or not it is enshrined in US law as it is right now. And we have a tool that enforces that, right? It's not a political question. It's not a legal question. And then the question is just like, okay, well, will the government try to take that tool down? What what will their moves be and will they win or will the users win? And so my head is just full of that, like coming battle, which we've always known it was coming. But it was really weird to hear it from somebody who just came out of the White House, who was also a moderate, I think, within the White House, not our enemy at all. She was just like, Mm -hmm. I'm just the messenger, you know, I don't I don't hold these like I don't hate crypto. She's 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 a super smart person, I should say. And uh, and and she seems to be appreciative of some of the things that that Bitcoin can do. Um, So not not an enemy, not hostile, but just conveying, I think, Washington consensus that of course, Bitcoin has to fall under the laws as they are. And of course, that means that basically means total surveillance and control of transfers of value. And, and 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 so I guess I don't know if this is bullish or what, but, you know, we're on this path of them ignoring us and then making fun of us and them you know, laughing at us and then fighting us and then winning. And I've been here for the entire thing since 2011, the ignoring part. The laughing part, the laughing has stopped. Yeah. We are full on fighting right now.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't
3: know if it's bullish or not, but given my mindset, it's uh, long-term bullish. We're, we, we're, we are being taken very, very seriously. And we're going to find out who wins in the realist kind of nature channel kind of way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm here and- for it, man. I'm down
0: <laughs> what you're saying is who's going to be on the receiving end of fuck around and find out is
2: what
3: you're <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much <laughs> where Absolutely. we're at.
0: Well yeah.
2: it's, it's a, yeah it's it's progress right? I mean we we have to go down that path to get to where we want to be. There's no no question about it. And Bitcoin had to be a certain size, has a certain, have a certain number of users, have a certain amount of attention around it to get to that point. And we're there. we mm-hmm. We're there. So We're there.
3: And 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 we have we have this battle on all sorts of levels. It's a technical battle. It's also a political battle. Like I don't know about you guys but for me bitcoin has risen to the top of my issues politically yeah. um, it's a and it's a social battle like the more we can win hearts and minds and get people to use this this technology the stronger our political base will be of course there if if they took these kinds of measures they would be fought in the courts we have a legal battle and i just want you to picture this and i'll shut up uh, i i want you to picture what happens when the most powerful force on the planet which is the U.S. Treasury Department? Carol House also is former, former uh, FinCEN person from Treasury. Um, if they come at Bitcoin and miss, you know, hmm. uh, like, and they could miss in different ways. They could lose in the courts. They could get crushed in an election because we make them look stupid after they overplay their hand, or they could lose in the most dramatic way, where they get what they want legally. Bitcoin just sticks around. Maybe the price is depressed. For a while, but it just doesn't go anywhere. People keep using it, you know, and, and then and then eventually p- politicians are like, hey, why why did we make this thing illegal? And then it rises again. But mm-hmm. after if I think they know this, I think they know the stakes of trying to defeat this thing and losing and suddenly exposing themselves as not the most powerful force in the world. There's another one. It's this peer to peer distributed network, which even they cannot defeat. Right so
1: <laughs> high stakes yeah. game bro. I'm That's just here great for point. it. Like o- Omar Little from The Wire said it before right like come at the king you best don't miss <laughs> <Not this. laughs>
0: Love it No no it's
1: absolutely true like the the, the 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 threat of embarrassment is is an enormously powerful force and it might prevent the government from even trying um mm. but it might not you know and I, yeah, I do the, think that people yeah. in the US tend to sometimes have a bit of um the idea that the US government is the government. Mm-hmm. Whereas what if you look in the history, like, very powerful nations have made huge mistakes, and kind of like lost the game before, like, if you look at I mean, I always go back to the, you know, 1600s, but like, but Spain was the most powerful nation in the world. And they made the mistake of mercantilism protectionism, and they just lost the game, they lost it. And so the US government I don't I don't wish it to be, but they could make a similar mistake.
2: Yeah, we're on that path. Right. Mm-hmm. Clearly. But the great thing about our government tour is that uh, it's completely incompetent and they <laughs> just fight each other. And there's there's just so much gridlock that even if one side does want to come at it, you know, then, you know, Senator Warren's assembling her anti-crypto army, whatever it was. You've got the other side's going to go, oh, OK, so she's against that. So maybe we should be for it. Yeah. Totally. Right? And so, in in and it, it, but the great thing about what you're saying, Troy, and I agree, is that that is there. It's it's come to the forefront, and and we're having it, and we're going to have it before this election, right, going into this election, and it's mm-hmm. going to be important. Now, I agree with you two. Is um, uh, well, there's a few things like that. The we we tend to think in North American terms, right? You know, like uh, Ben. Uh, Greg likes to say that Canada lives in in uh, the U.S. attic rent free, but you know, um, yeah, we tend to think of it as well. This is a U.S. This is going to be a United States dominated thing. It's not necessarily just because the United States has the global reserve asset and the global reserve currency right now. Um, it, does, <laughs> it doesn't. You know, it doesn't mean that we that the United States is the overseer of this technology. It's just not. And, you know, this is going to be growing grassroots in Venezuela and, and Lebanon and in Ghana. And it's, that's where this is going to grow. And that network effect is going, to, is going to grow grassroots from the ground up. And just like you said, Troy, it's not going to go away. Even if the United States says, yeah, we're banning it, we're going to 6102 it, whatever they do... It's not going to go away. I mean, Russia is, is absolutely mining. Why is the hash rate going up so steadily? You know, I mean, they're ab- they, and so is China. China's got, they've got uh, the municipalities, whatever they're called in China. I'm sorry for my ignorance there, but they're protecting miners from the government. Why? Because it's good for local uh, commerce. And so that's, that's just reality. It's not going to go away. Um, yeah. And the conversation here is going to get louder. And what does that do? it just keeps putting it on the front page and it wakes people up to saying, Hey, what should I be paying attention to this thing? Cause it seems like it's, it's very important to the politicians. And the more and more people who are in the center, the 80% who are not far right. And who are not far left. The ones who are in the center are like, maybe I ought to be paying attention to this thing because yeah. I don't trust what the government's telling me.
0: Yeah. You know, For, Troy, I wanted to tap on to a couple of things that, that you said there. Um, so one of them was you send her in and around and i'm i'm sorry i'm forgetting her name who is, who is the woman that, that came Carol out House. That? okay okay so so she was effectively saying like this is great but you know also you need to police yourselves and and it's it's very interesting from from that perspective i encountered something similar last year at uh, at the oslo freedom forum uh, so Alex Gladstein invited me out to do a Bitcoin workshop and start teaching people how to set up Bitcoin wallets and so on and so forth. And I, I, after everything was all done, I, I got one of the after party things I got speaking with one of the organizers and you now, Oh, Oh, what do you do? And I said, I was one of the people on the Bitcoin track there. And they're Like, Oh yeah, that's all super interesting. Um, and, and then she said something to the effect of, um, I, I love what it's capable of, but I also think that, you know, there's this big push to, for this like bottom up approach, but like, then you can't prevent the bad, th- like basically saying like, then bad people can use it. Um, so like a, a top down approach so that we can ensure that like the good people can use it. But then, and, and I had to go through the conversation of, well, that's not how this works because if, if you have a top down approach, then, then effectively you've got what we have right now and so you're you're canceling out you're basically saying in in countries with responsible governments you effectively have a dragnet where you can catch all the bad the quote-unquote bad people and then the good people get a free pass but the inverse is true when you have a totalitarian government like what you guys are working to help people fight against when you have a totalitarian government and Bitcoin is top down, it, it, not that it even could be, but if that was the case, then all of a sudden you're no longer on a level playing field. Bitcoin, just all it does is create a level playing field for all. And in 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 a, you know, quote unquote, like country with responsible government, that means that you're going to have the occasional uh, criminal pick up a dime bag of weed on the silk road, <laughs> you know, like that's, it's just going to happen
2: um, instead, of, instead of using us yeah. dollars.
0: Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, Ex- yeah. Instead of, you know, in the alley with, with a $20 bill, but I was just going to say, but like the, the inverse is true. Uh, if you have that top-down approach, a totalitarian government gets to stamp out dissidents When you have an open system where everybody's on a level playing field, you can't shut down bank accounts with a button. You can't prevent fundraising mechanisms. You can't prevent peer-to-peer transacting. You can't prevent people from railing back against a state that tries to stamp out people that doesn't approve of what they're doing. I saw it here last year. I saw it here, what, 14 months ago. And I'm in Canada, I'm in Canada, and they were shutting down bank accounts. And I, uh, Troy, you were there in the room when I did the the interview with Peter. And I chatted through the whole thing of how quickly it went from people are protesting and within two weeks, they shut down two fundraising campaigns worth tens of millions of dollars Uh, And started shutting down bank accounts for a and might I say a peaceful protest like I and I'm not trying to like, you know, shit on 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 motivations for various protests. But like if you look at the Canadian protests, we literally cleaned up our own garbage like they the protesters bagged their own garbage and put it beside the bins um when when somebody did something disrespectful and like there were no porta potties so they urinated near like a, a memorial the next day you had protesters out there shoveling snow and like cleaning everything up and so this was a very respectful and peaceful protest there's gonna be a couple dickheads it was the largest protest in canadian history well they still shut down bank accounts. They still basically cut off people's access to any sort of banking. Um, Bitcoin makes it so that those type of actions are impossible whether or not you like the people using it. And that's kind of how it needs to be.
3: Yeah. Yeah. What was amazing at this conference last week was Roya Maboub spoke about um, her uh how she runs her business in afghanistan and making uh payments to women throughout afghanistan for content or whatever or you know she's doing she's doing an educational thing there too and uh, how bitcoin allowed allowed her to function under the taliban's rule in ways that you know th- that she couldn't have done through the banking system and it empowered a lot of women too uh who were her you know, who are partners and clients uh, many of whom gained a lot of money from the appreciation of bitcoin as well and that allowed them to pay for their education and so on of course yeah ben i was there in oslo too and i heard just story after story like this and um the difficult what was amazing was that session just preceded the session from this uh you know government person and 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 listening to them back to back you know mm-hmm. y- y- the, the one angle is like Roya's angle was and she was asked about this directly in Q&A is like, yeah, I'm sorry if some other people are using this for bad ends elsewhere, but uh, that's what allows us to function and how many women and girls don't have access to money or all of the things that money makes possible. You can't pay for things and you can't earn money. Think about how that limits your freedom. And how many women around the world are limited in that way by repressive regimes? I mean, not, not even, you know, it's not even just like a protest. This is like just day to day life deprived mm-hmm. of this. Yeah, and if you if you want a technology that allows them that freedom, it will come with the risk that sometimes you are not going to be able to tell people not to spend money in the ways that you don't like. And somebody from the audience a law professor from the University of Chicago also pushed this question which was like how much does it even cost us to administer this kind of massive surveillance network that you're talking about compliance network that you're talking about it's is this the kind of thing where in order to catch a few wrongdoers we saddle an entire not only do we deprive people of basic freedoms but we also saddle them with this like you know regulatory compliance burden that uh, you know, is a damper on the whole economy. It's a damper on mm-hmm. the whole economy when money has to move. Uh, and of course, it builds moats around existing companies who are large enough to uh, spend a lot of money on compliance. So it's anti-competitive, it's anti-innovation, uh, it's, you know, and and, it, and it's simply not e- efficient and, it's, mm-hmm. and it stomps on people's freedoms. Uh, you know, it's just a, a stark kind of c- contrast and back to the point about Bitcoin sort of winning in the long run if a state tries this strategy of, you know, basically the the, tre- the Treasury wants to see every transaction in the world. To your point, Tor, the U.S. government takes itself to be the government of the world when it comes mm-hmm. to money. They think they have authority over every single transaction on the planet mm-hmm. and they want to see it and they want to be able to stop it. Doesn't It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's, it's, you know, it's between somebody in Nigeria and somebody in North Korea, like the U.S. government wants to have a say in it. Yeah. but also between all of its own citizens. At some point, this is like a Soviet-Afghanistan kind of war where you know you devote so many resources uh, of your largesse and surplus as a state to uh, tamping down things that might run afoul of your power uh, and imposing economic burdens on your citizen. You, you collapse under that weight. And in places like Nigeria, like Turkey, like Lebanon, like Vietnam – where they need it, Argentina, Venezuela, right? That's where people are just gonna not ask permission. They're gonna fucking do it in Afghanistan. They're gonna reap the rewards of that efficiency. And you know what I mean? You can get with the program or you can die like a slowly decaying empire. Your choice.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's how that's how Napoleon failed, right? I mean he he like first of all got rid of the existing infrastructure to like raise taxes. So that was that was hard. And then he, he had a grudge against Great Britain. And so he tried to like prevent them from trading with the continent, which was hugely expensive. And eventually everybody went around him and, and he just couldn't afford to defend the whole empire anymore. And it just collapsed in a matter of just a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just gonna say earlier that um, uh the 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 logic of this idea that like but bad people could do bad things with bitcoin as soon as you apply to another area gets so ridiculous like oh but what about cell phones like oh my god like we shouldn't allow people to produce cell phones because a terrorist might buy one and do something bad with it or like hamburgers like maybe they could nourish terrorists and like we should prohibit that and i don't know it's just like hamburger
2: terrorists yeah
1: I mean, yeah, like, come on, guys. Like, I think it's just a—it's just a—it's a privilege that's been in in assumed for generations now. Like, we get to sit close to the money spigot. We get to have access first. We get to dial up and down economies around the world because we have the reserve currency. And 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 I think the White House or you know whatever, uh, Washington doesn't really realize that it's a privilege that you can lose if you abuse it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they've kind of been abusing it.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nothing more ridiculous to me than, than punishing the medium rather than punishing the crime. You know, mm-hmm. it's tr- again, it's, it's as ridiculous as you pointed out. Oh, well, if, if we allow everybody to buy shoes, somebody might commit a crime and then run away. Like it's very scary proposition. Nobody. Yeah. You gotta. No more shoe bombings. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's ridiculous. And, and Troy, I think you mentioned, um, the, the back to back, uh, sessions. I'm, I'm wondering if you saw the same session that I did, uh, because it was, it's funny. It was, it was an ESG session, but it was on the social and it was effectively a guy up front, um, and and I've got to say again, in the context of uh, the the Human Rights Foundation basically saying like Bitcoin is a tool for freedom, there's there's some disjointed messaging, and the reason being is the session that I watched was effectively a, a guy up on stage saying, all right, so what what you can do to help in these situations is you can divest from things that may be enriching bad people and how do you parse that with a global open monetary network like it, like inherently you're you're having people on stage saying we need bitcoin in order to enjoy freedom, we need Bitcoin in order to push back against these totalitarian regimes. But in the same breath, you're saying also divest from anything that enriches anybody doing anything bad with Bitcoin. Well, not Bitcoin specifically, but they were saying like you know dump dump the following things and you can help defund uh, the bad people. Was was the the general sentiment? But those mm-hmm. those values don't line up. Um, It doesn't work with an open system like Bitcoin. And I feel like those two things at some point uh, within the HRF will come to a head. And I I think reality will prevail. But a few people are going to have to do some soul searching and realize that in in a world where you're trying to help the most downtrodden, um, you're also enabling some people to do things you don't approve of. So reality. Yeah, exactly. Reality coming home to roost. So, Um, all right, gentlemen, I'm going to do a final rotation here. Troy, that was a fantastic uh, uh, topic. So thank you for bringing that here. Um, And also, I will say I'm very excited for the Bitcoin Policy Summit. The, The sheer quality of people in the room. And might I add the diversity of opinion in the room, because there's people from both sides of the aisle there. Uh, and I, I do think that that's an important aspect that a, a number of people, um, not specific to one political ideology have realized that there's value in big, I mean, hell Troy, you're going to share a stage with Ted Cruz. So I, know. Uh,
3: and I gotta say, I gotta say too, uh, it's to the credit of, uh, David Zell and yes. Grant McCarthy. Those two put this thing together in not a whole lot of time on not a whole lot of budget and have been working their asses off to make it happen. And yes, one of our core commitments really as a policy institute is to try as much as possible to reach across both sides of the aisle. Uh, we we know that Bitcoin is becoming politicized. It, it's really mm-hmm. very close to being a straight up Republican issue and a straight anti you know, a democratic anti-issue uh, we, Whether or not that happens, we think that Bitcoin as, as a tool is broader than that. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's worth reminding ourselves uh, a lot of Bitcoiners are in China. They're Chinese right Like that's mm-hmm. a, that's a big constituent of our community. They're not mm-hmm. very very loud on our Twitter. Uh, they don't have a big they're role in be. a lot of our conferences yeah. right yeah. but they' they're a big part of our community. And then if you look at where Bitcoin's being used, you know, yeah, it's uh, Nigeria, Vietnam, Turkey, Lebanon. We got a lot of German Bitcoiners tend to be more on the anarchist side of things, right? Uh, the pirate party kind of uh, more left anarchist. Of course, we have a lot of American, Canadian Bitcoiners on the right side of the political spectrum. We just think the tool is it's being politicized, but we think of it in a broader way than that. I think across the board, all of us at the Policy Institute, and we we have people representing different parts of the political spectrum, and we're going to try to maintain that in our uh, representation at, at these events and in who we're inviting. Uh, mm-hmm. Because ultimately, we think of Bitcoin as a human tool, it mm-hmm. improves humanity. It, it, it's a tool for the grid. That's what my session is going to be about. It's a tool for our energy systems. Uh, uh, you know, it solves problems on the grid, but also Bitcoin solves problems for people. And uh, there's very few political ideologies that are flat out incompatible with it. Those are authoritarian ideologies and we're anti-authoritarian and proudly so. But within anti-authoritarian and uh, under the umbrella of anti-authoritarian political ideologies, we're, we're pretty wide open. Uh, we, we just think Bitcoin's bigger. It's bigger than our, than our social uh, political tribes.
0: Yeah.
1: So far, I've been impressed with everything I've seen from the Bitcoin Policy Institute. So great work, guys. Yeah, really. Thank uh, you. I think it's important. I think it's valuable what you do. That it's high quality. It's very focused. I love that. Um, so it's it's always good to hear when uh, David Zell and Co. Are are you know whatever new things they're up to. I'm always looking out for it. Yeah, we're we're laser focused on educating lawmakers, media,
3: uh, policy people. About Bitcoin in particular, <laughs> right? Yeah. Not, not, not nothing else. Not crypto. Uh, and, and and we and we we try to hold ourselves to high academic standards in doing so. We want our policy judgments to be really well founded in fact and science, mm-hmm. where that is possible, right? We're we're our goal is to be uh, impeccably credible. We we don't want political wins that sacrifice our Long-term credibility as an institution, we want to be the ones who always turn out to be correct when there's a lot yeah. of froth in the water. So we're playing yeah. a long game here.
0: So, so you're really setting yourself apart from <laughs> every other major institution we're, out we're there. We're trying to. We're trying leave, to leave, leave it to a, a group of Bitcoiners to actually rely on truth uh, for their talking points. Mm-hmm. So anyways, gentlemen, uh, we're going to do a final shift here uh, again. Thank you to everybody in the chat that's been tossed. out tons of comments here. I'm going to start pulling up a, a few more of them here um, and uh, I will go and back and find uh, Rusty did have a question, a, a macro question. But James, first, I'm going to toss it to you and I'll cue you up with the same question for the last time. Why are you bullish? My, Did he freeze? Uh, oh wait, you're, you're still the there. Thing? Hold on, you froze for a sec. <laughs> start, start my over. connection like, is good. Oh no, <laughs> there you go. You're good. good. You,
2: you, guys, I keep seeing the uh, the connection go out. Okay, so uh, I'll keep it short. I mean, it dovetails pretty well between what Turo and Troy are saying, which is uh, with everything that's happened this past year, Bitcoin has come front and center to the conversation and i mean it's on front pages it's uh, it's in the news and it's not just number go up it's not just about oh this uh crypto fantasy or you know um some sort of speculative asset where well, there there's still that going on of course but for the first time uh i think in it, it this bitcoin conversation has shifted i mean significantly and and uh it's a it, it's a it's a, a very important shift. And so what we've seen and we, we've been watching this for years is, is Bitcoin's been at the front end of that risk on asset you know, um, class where it's at the tip of that spear. And as people go to risk on in their investments, Bitcoin kind of leads the way. And when they take risk off, Bitcoin leads the way down. So it leads the way up, leads the way down. But with everything that's been going on this past year, with what we saw, with, with what we're seeing in, happen in Japan and the debasing of their currency, what we're seeing happen in, in Europe and what we've seen happen in the UK with the leverage and the LDIs, the leveraged debt instruments, what, what we've seen happen here in the States with, with the banks, uh, what we've seen people for the first time, I'm hearing normal people around me ask, you know, what should I do with my money? And it should I should I put it in this Bitcoin thing where the government can't take it? It, it can't just the, the banks can't lose it. Like I want to store something. I want to store some of my value there. And we, I've been preaching this for so long, so long for the years, the, the few years I've been doing this, I've been preaching, hey, just put some of it, put something in there, you know, put one, two, three percent of your net worth in there and just leave it don't worry about it and just leave it there and for the first time people are waking up to the fact that hey this really might be that important because all of a sudden they're starting to hear about well first of all banks can fail and if you're not in a bank that's protected you you know you could lose a lot of your money and there's not i mean not everybody can get a a uh, a, a big account over at j p morgan you know i mean you could be at chase but who has cash sitting around in these accounts just to sit there right so where can you put your value like Tira is talking about with real estate where can you put your value that it can't be deflated it can't have this massive deflationary event around it and if it does that's going to actually benefit for it and people are starting to hear that they're starting to listen to it and then the final thing is from what troy is saying in that conversation the political conversation is hey they can seize assets and these cbdc's there's there this is a cynical thing and and it's and i saw one of the comments that something that scroll by they were saying look they're they're for the the governments are being forced to to talk about and present cbdc's before they're ready and it could be it could be catastrophic for them mm-hmm. and that's true because we're going to have, we're already seeing massive pushback here in the states about CBDCs. You know, their are their hail mary is, hey, we're going to uh, we're going to we're going to have UBI, we're going to have universal basic income attached to CBDCs, and that's how we're going to slip it through. You know, but I don't think that's going to work. I think that uh, I think that that Trojan horse will fail, and for the first time, I feel super super bullish about the conversation changing to the real, the the real purpose of Bitcoin, which is not number go up. It's not just for it to just become worth more dollars. It's to protect your hard earned, uh, your, your, your hard earned work, your, your work, your energy that you've, that you've placed your trust into this currency that's devaluing in front of you and, and can be lost. It, it can be, Usurped. It, it can be controlled or or frozen, and for the you know, I think uh, and for me, that conversation is uh, it's critical, and and we're there, and and that that gets me excited. So even though I do talk about the fact that I see we're going to go into a recession, I really believe that we're going to have a, a a hard downturn here. Do I know? No, but I think it's a high probability. So even though that that's a high probability, my my long term view on Bitcoin is so bullish because of everything we just talked about and that is only going to force this conversation to go to the next level and that's that's exactly what we need
0: i love that uh i i, I want to open it up to the other guys first i've got a comment that i want to make but uh troy or Tur, do you want to dive in no, that
3: was just that was just awesome hmm. totally, totally
1: Words. I, that. <laughs> <Word>. <laughs> I mean i, I like uh yeah i like um what you're suggesting about bitcoin as an insurance policy Uh, it really is totally valid to use that analogy and and and, um i i think years ago you could make the uh, fully equivalent analogy easier because like for example homeowners insurance is about 25 bips a year so 0.25 percent of the value of your home is what you'll pay for insuring it against fire and other kinds of disasters and so for a long time you could actually do that with your portfolio like put 25 bips into bitcoin i'm talking when bitcoin was ten dollars a hundred dollars mm-hmm. etc yeah but now we're in a situation where you're calling your insurance agents like hey like i want fire insurance and he's like oh yeah like i just uh, i walked by your house this afternoon and i saw your kitchen is already on fire <laughs> yeah. oh yeah but can i still get insurance like sure it's five percent you know like so a it kind of makes sense yeah. that you would put yeah. that amount into bitcoin if you actually want to insure your assets against uh a stagflationary depression for example you know um a, a, a bond market crash uh you know a, a, a scenario of um uh, argentina style bank runs so, you know we already had a bank run early this year. So it makes sense that the premium for your insurance is going up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another number that's, uh, that's going up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, get, get me the number of that insurance agent. Cause it sounds like he'll give me 15% of my dread dead grandmother. <laughs> <for my> insurance. <laughs> uh, Troy, yeah. I, 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 or James, I, I did want to say one thing. Like my main takeaway from, from your talk is, is just, a, a dissolution of trust in in everything um, is kind right. of where we're headed. That's sure. it. That's
2: a good yeah. Exactly. Right. That's that's a w- g- great way to put it. The trust is has collapsed in the last two years. I mean, they locked us up. They made us take you know this vaccine. They you know I'm, I'm, I I guess we're gonna get you know <laughs> just stand that's, go for that's it. It. That's, th- this is gonna get shadow banned. I said it. <laughs> I said the word. You know, but you can blank it out. So. But they're, you know, they made us do these things and people are waking up to the fact that man, I'm not sure we can trust that they have our good intentions, mm-hmm. you know. So many people were naive in thinking that for so many years,
0: but people have woken up in the last couple of years, you know. It's it's trust at all levels, right? Like it's it's governments, it's banks, it's it's media, it's every other major institution. There's there's questioning on all sides. And and what I mean by that is if if a certain entity isn't echoing your current values the instant kind of knee-jerk reaction is they they there must be an insidious purpose to it or they must be completely wrong or they're towing the line for something and i see it across i mean we 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 saw it a lot through the pandemic from people on on the right Mm -hmm. as soon as elon got a hold of twitter now people on the left oh it's all disinformation and everything like it's it because everything is just so divided and i think people are just everything is 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 kind of crumbling trust wise and people don't know where to place their anger but like the 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 base layer of trust the language that we use to to place our value money it it, it's eroded It's broken. It doesn't it doesn't properly like you can you can I mean, the money is effectively supposed to be a a way of of projecting our values in, in the world. Right. Like you you spend your your time, you spend your blood, sweat and tears, you earn this mechanism through which you're able to convey your values by by where you place that that value, what you purchase and and you expect to in a way see that reflected in the world around you Mm -hmm. and it's not because people can turn a dial they can pull levers and push buttons and they can basically take the values of the people and reallocate them to where they see fit and so people aren't like and a large swath of the population aren't seeing their values properly reflected in the world around them so it's no wonder that There's a confusion and there's anger that nobody knows where to place because it's you're working your entire life towards something and you want to see something staring back at you in the mirror that reflects your values and the time and the effort that you put into your labor. You want to see that having some sort of an impact. But when your impact can be erased in in a calendar year because they just printed 40% of all existing money, and yeah. decided where that goes and what gets that value and your um,
2: yeah and first. your and your freedom because now the you know the powers to be the wef uh they're you know they're they're saying these things out loud now for the for the you know they're really saying them out loud about the you're going to eat bugs you need to we need to concern we need to consume less energy you know everybody's going to have a carbon score it's like people are starting to hear this and wait, 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 wait. So you're going to, I have to live within 15 miles. I have to work within 15 miles where I live. I, I like, I to stay in that radius forever. Like I can only leave for like a week, a year. Like, wh- hold on a second. And so, you know, people are starting to hear this and think, all right, this system really is broken. We have a problem. <laughs> and so, yeah. I, yeah.
3: I, I, uh, I taught a class last year on trust. And trust and testimony, you know, believing others. And it, you, you, you said it really well, Ben, we have a kind of cultural crisis of trust. And that isn't a good thing. Because in part, how our species got to this point was through specialization, dividing labor and trading, right? We this is how economies grow, you do the thing you're best at, you trade for everything else. And then the total output of a society is a lot greater. But it's also true for knowledge uh we we don't all verify everything about everything or we would not live in in the 21st century world of science and technology that we live in uh you you literally can't know everything about everything or verify it yourself the world is too complex and we got here through specialization and trust And, and so it's kind of like that for me, watching the system break down uh, is is a tragedy uh, mm-hmm. because we need it as a species, like we, we do. And the same politically, right? Rather than each of us doing everything in government and all weighing in on every decision, we like trust some people to make most of those calls for us. And we have them run agencies and you know what I mean? And we have yeah. them run armies. And, and so we delegate our sort of intellectual labor uh to uh centralized uh you know uh bodies yeah either bodies that either they're either acting on our behalf or they are investigating on our behalf and then we trust them and that's like the mission of like the fda stuff like that you know there are they are governmental bodies that are designed to offload the cognitive labor that it would take all of us to learn that stuff and then figure it out for us, digest it in easy form, and then give it to us in a form that we can trust. All of that breaks down when trust breaks down. But that is actually how we function. And yeah. money is an extension of that. You know, It's another area where our trust has been abused and continues to be abused again and again and again. And it's actually like, I think they're all related. And you put this well, Ben. It's not just like, there's trust in money that's broken down. There's tr- there's trust in about truth. There's trust about acting in our own best interest as a government. Mm-hmm. Is the government really serving us, the citizens? And we we work really hard, you know, not just at our jobs, but across our lives as part of a society. Sort of assuming that the system we live in will reward that work fairly. Uh, that the authorities that we that we have elected or have been appointed. Uh, are acting in our best interest uh, whether it comes to money or government or decision decisions or truth or anything else or in universities like this one mm-hmm. um, and then once that trust gets fractured uh, we don't just get a collapse in one of those areas we get a collapse of functioning across the areas and mm-hmm. then every Joe Schmo on Twitter has to figure out like how you know how mRNA vaccines work and shit like that, which you know what I mean. <laughs> What's the hell? We should not have to think about this. Yeah. This, this should this is not how an this is not how a society should be ordered, right? That everybody has to learn everything for themselves. But also our decisions we don't trust. It's kind of like onshoring in mm-hmm. the uh in the international trade, right? As you don't if you can't trust the supply chains and partners across countries, you have to build everything at, at home. But what we're getting now is like the onshoring of knowledge the onshoring of, of belief formation. And just like mm-hmm. in international trade that comes at a huge expense for efficiency, you know, and Bitcoin is this amazing tool because it does give up efficiency. Like the most efficient thing is just to have one single centralized ledger and then just boom, you're good, you know, you don't have to duplicate anything. It gives up efficiency for, you know, absolute certainty about what what has happened. That's the trade-off it made. And in an era in which trust is collapsing, that is precisely the tool that we need on the money front, a fixed issuance, no way to mess with it. And then I think if we don't get fucked with on the money side, and we know we're not being fucked with on the money side, and Bitcoin does more too, because it can Mm timestamp as well. It, it, Mm -hmm. it, 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 It can store arbitrary information. I know this isn't about ordinals and stuff, but you know, Uh, Julian Assange parked those documents from WikiLeaks on the blockchain long before ordinals. It was already used to anti-memory hole governments who would abuse our trust. And Mm -hmm. tools like roster also will be, you know, bastions of anti-censorship or censorship resistance that prevent governments from abusing the trust. So I see these decentralized tools across the board and especially Bitcoin as protection against the abuse of trust and hopefully help us get through this collapse of trust that we're in and actually rebuild institutions that are trustworthy and earn our trust, right? Authorities Mm -hmm. have to earn our trust. They have betrayed and lost it. And that's led to a collapse across the board. What we need is insurance against that abuse and then the slow hard work of rebuilding institutions that earn it back.
0: Mm -hmm it's it's i agree with everything you just said and i think i think money is actually at the crux of it because there's been a a uh, a lack of consequence for not reflecting reality and yeah. as as and that's been allowed to snowball <laughs> been allowed to snowball for a long time and
1: yeah, I, I don't know if troy would agree but I, I would argue that um kind of in a variation of what you're saying is that institutions especially lasting institutions are built on trustworthiness mm-hmm. and then yeah. at some point they kind of get their own momentum and they kind of lose um uh, they can lose track of why they were founded in the first place. Like, you know, there's a lot you can say about the Catholic Church, of course. But I think part of why it became such an important institution throughout the Middle Ages was because it helped people unite uh, in a a selflessly enough way uh, to protect their villages and cities from from raids that were happening from uh, the Huns and all these other tribes who were who were pillaging uh, repeatedly Europe. And so there's having this institution that allows you to coordinate resources and keep the local lords in check and those kind of things was very powerful. But then if, if, at some point, Europe was wealthy, wealthier and wealthier. And so the need for that protection mechanism diminished. And then all of a sudden, the Catholic Church had all this power that it, they started, you could say, abusing. But I, in, in another way, you can say they lost their way. Like they forgot why they were there. Mm-hmm. And I think similarly, the financial system was there because the gold standard is a tough system and and in a globalized world it's very difficult it creates all kinds of problems with uh, where do you store the reserves and what if there's a war and so it kind of made sense as a hard fork solution for a while but i don't know i just think that they they lost their way and and they they are no longer trustworthy unfortunately and what we build in bitcoin is a system where you don't have to trust anything and we right. have a trustless basis. And then people can earn trust on top of that. Like institutions, companies, and you know, these we were talking about Noster, like these extensions that maybe people are gonna do like content, like editorial services on top of Noster. And so they can earn our trust with that, but it'll be based on something real.
2: Yeah. I I think, yeah, yeah. and your point tour in in the, the what it all comes down to is the fact that. The system is what causes people to act poorly. It allows them to, right? It allows legislatures to talk to a company, go buy that company's stock, and then go approve legislation that's positive for that company, reap the benefits of buying that stock, and have absolutely no repercussion for it. And it happens over and over and over and over and over again. So that's just one little dark area. That's we're starting to shine a light on it, but it's a little dark area of the system that is just it, it doesn't it, the incentives are not aligned for the people. They're aligned for very, you know, people who are very powerful and high up in these corporations and the executives. And they're aligned for the legislators, but they're not aligned for the people. The people do not benefit from all that. And that's and that's the problem is the system is broken. What you're saying is that and I agree with you when you have a, when you build a system on a trustless, you know, protocol, then you don't have to worry about that because that it cannot be manipulated in the same way. And that's the, and that's where why I'm so bullish is that we're going towards that direction. Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, Jeff Booth has just entered the chat. (laughs) Yeah, I talk
2: to Jeff a lot.
3: (laughs) Yeah. It's very, very reminiscent of Jeff. Um, you know, it's it's hard it's hard to step outside the system to critique the system. We're always critiquing it on its own terms and in its own language, right? But I love yeah. that you just did that, James, stepping back, and and you did it too. Uh, to to you know you have to you have to appeal to history or you have to appeal to Bitcoin itself as a way of us stepping back to see these uh, major challenges to the uh, to to our system. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. We, we, this is what Bitcoin lets you do. You, you start, you start to say, but wait a minute. Why? Why does the system work like this in the first place? Like, why do you have that authority, and uh, why should I continue to grant it to you? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely bullish on how Bitcoin itself allows you to make uh, extra systemic observations about the system. Uh, you know, it's something we're all doing it, and Bitcoin is what's enabling us to, to do it. And just to echo Jeff one more time, it also allows you to picture in your mind and bring about a future of, you know, love, hope, and abundance, right? It's that, and that that's something, that once beacon. you step outside that system, you can envision that and help bring it into being.
2: Yeah, it's that beacon of hope. It really is. You can, know it's out there, but it, it's getting closer.
0: So yeah. it's getting brighter, right? <laughs> I think so. Gents, I I think this is a a great time to start rounding us out here. Um, I like to do one thing at the very end, uh, if that's okay with you guys. I I like to just do a quick round of any final thoughts you might have, um, anything you didn't get off your chest. And then also, if you happen to have a recommendation, uh, always much appreciated. When I say recommendation, I mean um, something that's maybe helped you in your journey of understanding Bitcoin, whether it be a... uh, you know, a a book, a video, a website, uh, an app, uh, a piece of hardware, something that you think people would find value in checking out, um, then feel free to toss that out as well. But my my general takeaway uh, from this chat is, is we're just we're, we're seeing people recognize the cracks in the system and build alternatives to fill in for their deficiencies. We're seeing that we saw with money and we're seeing that with speech Um, and we're accounting for, which I'm very happy about, we're, we're accounting for the lessons of the past. Like Bitcoin is a correction, uh, a correction of uh, what went wrong with, with gold, right? It it was, what were the deficiencies in gold that allowed uh, the revocation of the gold standard? You know the bitcoin bitcoin accounted for and corrected for those deficiencies uh you see nostr and, and you know bitcoin or bitcoin the internet was meant to be this this open protocol for everybody to be able to interact freely with one another but we saw this centralization of, of social media platforms and it funny enough it took a bitcoiner to create something to what seemingly successfully routes around that and allows people to interact freely with one another um, without being censored. And so I, I think the world and, and uh, there's there's a, a sect of people that are recognizing the issues and and building uh, to to rectify what we've experienced so far. And I think that's very exciting. Um, I want to, <laughs> this, is, this is partly in jest, but my my recommendation tonight, and I, I don't mean in jest and don't check it out, but because we've got Troy here, I'm going to recommend everybody follow Jason Mayer. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's releasing a book called uh, The Progressive's Case for Bitcoin. Um, awesome. And so uh, he will be dropping that soon. Uh, but go go follow him on Twitter at C Jason Mayer. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, he does have a website, bitcoinprogressive.com. And uh, and that book should be dropping soon. And the reason I'm I'm so excited to see that drop is. I, I, I think regardless of where you sit on the political spectrum, um everybody sees something of value in Bitcoin and everybody kind of projects their own uh, vision onto Bitcoin because it can be useful for them in different ways. But at the end, Bitcoin is just a mechanism to help find truth and project it through our world. And I think no matter what, even if some of our assumptions about what is true and what is not are wrong, I'd rather know than not. And so If we have people of different belief systems coming to Bitcoin because they think they see something in it, even if their assumptions are proven wrong, at least they get to find out. Um, And that's a beautiful thing. So that's that's where I'm at. Check out Jason Mayer. Uh, I'm going to toss it to tour next. Dude, final thoughts, recommendations. Take it away.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I would say for myself at least, uh, what I found is that I make the best decisions when I'm like relaxed. I'm connected with people around me. When I'm having fun, like making these.
0: <laughs> I was very happy when you. Put that <laughs> up. I was wondering I what was coming up. By now. the way,
1: if, if this was like a Bitcoin meetup, like just in the vein of like, what was the question? Like, what song were they playing? Like, we gotta, we gotta make that song somehow. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's
0: me that's... too. Yeah, I feel like it's some some Eastern European like metal or like like de- some sort of like I don't know thumping bass. I don't know. <laughs> awesome.
1: Maybe the the New Zealand guys. Who who are those guys again? Who oh yeah, the great uh, songs. Yeah, yeah.
0: i I'll. I'll <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
3: the 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 Maori dance before
2: the
1: all well, blacks play. actually this yeah i i generated this image using the word haka, haka. it's in there so like it is actually ah, oh, that is it partly inspired on the haka yeah that's awesome.
0: there you go yes. um
1: but so um but so yeah when it comes to uh i don't know ideas about what you know who to follow or what to do or something like that um well, tooting my own horn, I would say check out the Texas Bitcoin Foundation. Like we we do a lot of really cool stuff. Um, Natalie Smolensky, our chair, is actually going to be at the conference with you, Troy, in D.C. She, she was um, also at the one last week. She's everywhere. She, she is cool. everywhere. Yeah. And then I would also say keep an eye on uh, adamantresearch.com, which is my shop. We have something really special coming out soon. Uh, and of course, I'll be announcing it on Twitter as well, but very
0: soon something awesome. really cool is coming out Great. i can't say more <laughs> right. i mean your your website is 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 very cryptic about it announcement coming soon later this month yep there you go well well
1: right. let me
0: just say it's it's going to be bullish <laughs> all right. All right. awesome love to hear it perfect show to 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 give it a shout out awesome to tour thanks uh thanks for that let's uh let's jump to troy again troy final thoughts recommendations go ahead
3: uh, well, first of all, just a real pleasure to be back on today. This was awesome. These, these are uh, all three of you are people I greatly admire and enjoy and follow your work, you know, and have benefited a lot from you. So just thanks for having me and thanks for sharing some time. Uh, in terms of what I techno Viking. Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, uh, I got a couple books to pump. One is, you know, Alex Gladstein's book just dropped uh, called Hidden Repression, How the IMF and the World Bank Sell Exploitation and Development. Uh, After his awesome, very, very long uh, uh, piece in Bitcoin Magazine on structural adjustment. uh, You know, I think this is almost like life-changing read from Mm -hmm. from Alex. Once you see how the IMF actually works and the World Bank, you, you you just can't ever live in the world in the same way again i i i, I knew a little bit of that, about this through my brother but uh who, who knows a bit about development economics and apparently it's not really news within development economics but within the broader world like we think of these as pretty benign forces the imf and the world bank mm. and, or even benevolent and and when you see what they actually do they're making a they're, they're making people poorer and more oppressed. They're uh, destroying mm. natural resources and they're pushing people into kind of a kind of uh, slavery, really. Mm. So <laughs> it's 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 awful. People need to know about it. Alex's book, mm. I think, is going to be hugely important, not just to mm. Bitcoin, but you know, just to, to, to people generally. I hope it takes off. The other book I have to pump is by um, my philosophy friends, Andrew Bailey, Craig Warmke and Bradley Rettler. They have a draft of a book uh, called "Resistance Money: A Philosophical Defense of Bitcoin," and it's awesome. I have read it. We did a book workshop in Seattle a few weeks ago, uh, where we went through it with a bunch of you know a bunch of scholars and uh, different sorts—economists, policy people, uh, p- political science people—and we raked it over the coals. Uh, and it's just really good, man. It's really, really high quality. It's not going to be out before Miami, probably more like the end of the year, or something like that. We don't have any firm date on when it'll be out, but it's coming through an academic press, um, but it's not really an academic book. It, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a book with academic rigor and you know thousands of footnotes, but also written for an ordinary audience. I'll give away the first uh, opening uh, sentence of the book. The opening sentence of the book is, Bitcoin is for
2: criminals.
3: uh, (laughs) At at the workshop, somebody said, uh, you know, I, I might work on Capitol Hill and I just, I just know what's going to happen. I can just see Senator Warren saying at some hearing, like pulling out the book and saying, here's three preeminent philosophers who are pro Bitcoin. And this is the first sentence that they say in their book, Bitcoin is for criminals. And, And I could see, I looked at each of these guys, you know, like during the discussion, I could just see them just like, doing the Chad yes face like, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. awesome. there's so much there's there's so much great stuff in this book. It's going to be a it's going to be a reference work and it's going to be a classic. I'm yeah. super bullish on that.
0: Oh, that, that'll be great because she'll have already quoted the book as a reputable source. And then you can take all of the good stuff that comes later on and be like, yeah. Elizabeth Warren's favorite book also said, <laughs> that's great. Uh, that's fantastic. I can't wait to check that one out. Um, we'll, we'll toss it to James here last. James, final thoughts, recommendations. Go ahead.
2: Well, likewise, I'm um, so uh, I, I feel blessed to be on the stage or on, in, in this room with you guys. Uh, you know, I've been following all of you for a long time, so I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the chance to just have a good discussion with you it's always it's enlightening it's engaging it's intellectually stimulating i appreciate it so that's first um and so thank you ben for assembling us uh and then you know uh, i do have to give i have to um tell people if you have not yet read your fellow canadians book jeff booth's book the price of tomorrow for anybody who's listening everybody's watching please it's not a bitcoin book it, it it leads you to the reality of why why Bitcoin can help us and save us, but it it is super important to understand just those inflationary versus deflationary pressures, um, and that is what really solidified Bitcoin as the the hardest money, the sound money that we need for the future. And so, if you haven't read that yet, please pick up a copy, you know, and uh, and 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 read that book. If you want to really understand what's going
0: on in money. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I love it best. I, again, one, one of the greats, um, and such a, a an accessible read for yeah. everybody too. um, Truly. Yep. definitely check it out. Love Jeff. Uh, gentlemen, I'm gonna wrap it here. Uh, thank you all so much. I know, I know. We, as I so often do, we ran over by a solid forty minutes, but that just means the conversation is good. So thank you guys for sticking around. Thanks for agreeing to come in the first place. And uh, I hope to run into. Uh, am I gonna run into all you guys down in Miami? Perhaps. Sure. We'll awesome. be there. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. You're all welcome back anytime. And I'll uh, hopefully get to see all of you in a few weeks here. Awesome. Thank you, Ben. All right. Thanks. Thanks Have a good one. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, as always like subscribe, share, all those things help a ton getting this content in front of more eyeballs. Shout out to everybody in the chat that's been dropping comments and everything. I hope you enjoyed this again. What a, what a monster rip that was. Uh, if you want to help the show in another way, you can hit up the previously mentioned sponsors down below. Uh, that was Hoddle Hoddle, coin kite, nunchuck start nine. They're all down below. Uh, speaking, of Miami that's coming down the pike as I learned is the proper uh, vernacular from Greg Foss earlier today uh but nonetheless that's coming up quick here 27 days to Miami uh I'm super excited this is my fourth time I've been to every single one of them I I hit it up in uh San Francisco for the first one it's been Miami ever since it's a barrage on the senses if you're going down make sure you uh you focus on what you want to get to pick out a few things you definitely want to see, um, you know, make sure you, every once in a while you might get caught up in a, in a conversation, uh, a shit coiny kind of conversation, you realize that your time is scarce there. So, uh, you know, focus on, on what you want to get out of the conference and, and beeline for that. Uh, anyways, if you want to do, if you do want to pick up tickets, by the way, uh, ticket prices go up in just under five hours so if you want to get in before they jump another 50 bucks per, per ticket, uh, you can go to b.tc conference and actually for an extra 10% off, use code BTC sessions. Uh, if you're going to be in Miami a little bit earlier, I'm doing a four hour cold card deep dive on Wednesday, May 17th. So this is basically for anybody that either hasn't used a cold card or they've just kind of started dabbling and you really want to go from zero to hero. We're going to go through the entire initial setup using it with Sparrow Wallet on your desktop, air gapping transactions. We're gonna wipe the thing and recover with the seed phrase. We're also gonna dive into some of the more advanced features, trick pins and passphrases and BIP85 and all kinds of stuff that you probably don't even know what I'm talking about, but you will. Uh, There's five tickets left, five tickets left. Uh, and it's, again, the whole point is it's small, intimate. I want to be able to get to every single person, answer every single question. So if you're in town, uh, you can grab tickets for it at my website, btcsessions.ca. It's over on the far right under in-person workshops. You can also book me there for private sessions if you need one-on-ones. If the free tutorials on YouTube don't cut it, you need some more handholding, you can get me there. And then finally, if you really liked what you saw, same website, just hit the tips button. And you'll see my tip page. And uh, if you want to help out in any way, send me a cuck buck, buy me a coffee, or you can help me with any of my infrastructure that I'm running every every month. Or you can just give a a custom tip and and drop a few sats via lightning. Uh, It's all there. Anyways, guys, uh, btcsessions.ca slash tips for that. With that, I'm out. Have yourselves a wonderful day or evening, and uh, I'll see you guys next time for your daily session. Huddle
2: by Bitcoin